Hello everyone and welcome to Negotiating Ideas, a podcast about political thought on democracy and pluralism. This is Omar Sadr, a senior research scholar at the University of Pittsburgh Center for Governance and Markets. In this episode, I chat with Hakmal Daudzai, who works as a researcher at Dutch Royal Academy in Amsterdam. His book, The State Building Dilemma in Afghanistan, The State Governmental Design at the National Level, and Rule of Democratic Provincial Councils in Decentralization at the Subnational Level, was published by the Barbara Budrich Press right after the fall of Kabul to the Taliban in 2021. This book empirically reviews the US intervention and subsequent state and institutional design at Afghanistan's national and subnational levels since 2001. In this episode, I ask him about one of the key propositions of the book, mainly consociational democracy in Afghanistan. Hakmal, welcome to Negotiating Ideas. Good morning, Omar. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Let me start by asking you a general question. Uh, tell us about yourself and how did you come across, um, how did you frame your research interests around consociational democracy in Afghanistan? Um, well, um, I'm an Afghan citizen. I've lived in Afghanistan. I've studied in Afghanistan and I followed the Afghan politics very closely. And besides that, I work um, during 2011, uh, 2008 and 2011 for the Afghan parliament and uh, was regularly going to the, uh, to the uh, plenary sessions of the Afghan uh, parliament and following the debates. So this was a time where I really got interested in, in Afghan state and institutional design because uh, you would see different parties, different um, people were coming and discussing about different issues. Um, that was the time where I was really uh, interested and thinking about what kind of political system would be an appropriate system for Afghanistan, which then I also continued my, my master studies in political science and, and my PhD, particularly in state building in Afghanistan. Sure. So in your writings, um, you propose that um, Lechbart's uh, idea of constitutional democracy might be better for accommodating a country which has socio-political complexity like Afghanistan. Um, so tell me more about that. How do you, how do you think that uh, constitutional democracy fits better uh, in, in case of Afghanistan? Um, well, um before going to answer your question, I think if we, if we just have a look into the Afghan constitution, which was adopted in 2004, you see that um, Afghanistan uh, installed a very strong unitary centralized state system um, and in, in theory, but in practice, you see in, in the from, drive from the Bonn uh, process, um, uh, the Afghan government was established based on ethnic elite power sharing. In the Bonn conference, you see that the first time Afghan uh, political parties were, uh, not political parties, but ethnic groups were uh, divided uh, along the ethnic lines. And um, that process continued even um, after the um, 2004 constitution and, and, and the election. Um, which we had in practice uh, an ethno-elite power-sharing government at the national level and at the sub-national level, you would see that power was um, hijacked by some warlords and um, tribal elites. So this was uh, 
the idea that uh, came in mind and I studied the Afghan uh, state building process critically and uh, came up to the idea that maybe um, a possible and um, plausible solution would be that if we could um, see uh, uh, a, an alternative government system, which is um, in this case for a country which is um, ethnically divided, would be a constitutional democracy. And constitutional democracy actually uh, propose a kind of ethno-lead um, power-sharing uh, government at the national level and uh, local autonomy at the sub-national level, um, which for, for the case of Afghanistan, and if you read my book, I'm not really proposing it the way uh, uh, our Leopard is uh, pr proposing it, but I'm just thinking, maybe it was, it was thinking at the time when still Afghanistan had its uh, democratic system, uh, that maybe this would be a possibility to contextualize this system in the case of Afghanistan, because uh, we have to also keep in mind that, yes, Afghanistan is ethnically uh, divided, but not a divi as a divided state as we could uh, apply in other contexts, which is then would be called like deeply divided society. Um, so... Uh, Yes, one of the major failure of the Afghan government system was that it was highly centralized. It was unitary, but uh, uh, also let me intervene from, here. From the legitimacy uh, of the state institution. So the idea is that if you want to um, legitimize that arrangement that we had in the past 20 years, then constitutional democracy would be a, a, a proper solution. Sure, sure. I, I, let's come to the constitutional democracy in a while. And But I, I'm struck with one point that you just highlighted here, that Afghanistan is the ethnically divided, but not as divided as we call it, deeply divided society. So how do you differentiate between these two? Um, of course, the term deeply divided society is, is something which recently more often come across, particularly with reference to countries like United States, where in, uh, in terms of values, uh, people are quite um, showing divergent tendencies uh, and there's no f consensus on f foundational values which, which should um, define a society. So how do you say that Afghanistan is ethnically divided but not a deeply divided society? Uh, well, what I'm, what I'm trying to say that um, uh, we, we have to differentiate between uh, ethno-political elites who are okay. uh, divided and who are... Uh, we just see the experience of past 20 years that um, the ethno-political divide was existed in Afghanistan. But if you look into the general population in Afghanistan, they are still mingled um, uh, in, in family relations and business relations. So, and, and there was no any, even though we experienced civil war in Afghanistan uh, and, and we had heated debates in the past 20 years, but it never came to to a, a widespread um, uh, motive or or demand for a kind of uh, separation, and which which might be in other cases and in other countries. Like example, if we if we take the the case in Europe and in in Spain, the Catalonian case, or any other part of the country uh, world where you see that deeply. Uh, deeply uh, divided society would then really go for their demands and and uh, but if you see the like in, in, in Afghanistan context people still lived in, in proportional uh, um, relative peace with each other and and 
And one of also one of the major things is if you see the in, in, in Afghanistan context uh, that even the ethno-political elites were divided along ethnic lines, but they would always put in their agenda uh, uh, that we are a unified country, we are still, uh, you know, a nation state. Um, and that is, uh, you know, because they were afraid from the general population, they would lose their popularity if anybody would go for any alternative model, which wasn't the case of Afghanistan, uh, uh, that the idea of decentralization or any alternative system was taboo in the Afghanistan context. And that itself shows that people had a kind of um, understanding of the local context in which uh, people didn't want to see themselves as divided as as the, the political elites were. Okay, interesting. But uh, so you characterize that the, uh, um, Afghanistan at the societal level they are mingling with each other in neighborhood and family and businesses. But uh, but politically, again, um, even beyond elites, if if we talk about citizens, don't you think deeply divided society not need not necessarily be a society which has a secessionist movement. For example, the United States doesn't have a secessionist movement at the moment. But uh, but when we talk about a, a deeply divided society, it's about values. So now, now let me ask you this. Um, how do you characterize some common values, norms, or cultures which people, um, again, not elites, but I mean, at the, uh, the mass, mass of the communities, uh, agree with each other, but politically, not just socially and economically. Do you think we have so, those sorts of values? Uh, definitely. I think if we see Afghanistan case uh, along the history, um, one of the major things which uh, brought the ethnic uh, and, and tribal uh, groups uh, together uh, and, and played as a uh, legitimacy in the Afghanistan context uh, for, for, for centuries what it, it was the Islamic ideology, you know, this Islamic culture which brought sure. uh, Afghans uh, together. And um, this is, uh, I would say, a collective value, identity, and leg legitimacy which you see in the Afghanistan context. Of course, at the local level, um, you would see that there are different uh, uh, values and subcultures that exist, but that will also peacefully accept this during the civil war, which was also that very played in the in the uh, central level, uh, uh, we would say, but not, it was not in the, in the level where you could, um, you know, imply a, any any other, other model into that. Sure. So now, if you can go back to constitutional democracy. So one of the key challenges that such sort, such kind of states or democracies may entangle with is what is particularly with respect to ethnic parties and um, ethnic leaders um, who might tend to play a kind of entrepreneurial role or ethnic entrepreneurship um, what we call in, in our language tikadorone um, 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 and 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 comparative politics literature, a key challenge uh, which is highlighted with respect to ethnic parties is, I think, outbidding. Where uh, since since the system is designed in a such manner that every ethnic party exclusively connects with their constituency, with ethnic constituency, and they may not be able or do not want to reach out to other groups. Um, so that's why there might be an increasing tendency to become much more hardline. Um, and so that, that somehow the, the concept of um, uh, uh, 
what we call it outbidding. So how do you see that constitutional democracy that you proposed? Of course, constitutional democracy is not a model of democracy because it may, it may be designed in a different way in different contexts. But how your proposal will prevent a, such kind of scenario where ethnic parties or ethnic leaders may not go towards um, very hardline policies to only satisfy their own constituency uh, and, and create a, a scenario of outbidding? Um, very well uh, question. As, as I said before, um, I'm uh, what I'm proposing in the context of Afghanistan, I'm thinking I think it would be better to um, contextualize uh, to adapt the constitutional democracy in the context of Afghanistan, especially also in this case that um, uh, that political parties, which in the case of Afghanistan are more ethnically at this level divided, um, this would it would not only um, uh, not divide the Afghan society but bring them together because we we don't need to, to propose what exactly uh, Leopard and his constitutional democracy proposed. But I, what I'm saying is that if we uh, adapted into into the Afghanistan context, which we had in the past twenty years, you see the ethnic parties even made uh, alliances along each other in order to win the elections. A Pashtun elite political party came together with a, with a Tajik and with the Hazara in order to you know win the election. This is even, uh, I would say, um, help in integrating the Afghan society and, and, and help them to come together instead of going for divisions. I think it, it's, uh, it's uh, helping to um, uh, to show that if if you want to go to win the election, um, you you have to you have to make compromises with other uh, ethnic parties in in order to 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 win elections. Sure. So, uh, so so let me remind our audience probably here that there are three key components in a, in a constitutional democracy. Number one would be a grand coalition, which usually happens at the national level, but also the literature provides two other key elements, which is um, uh, a veto power to some of the minorities who may exercise this right when the, their own substantial interest is violated, and finally segmented autonomy. So your point earlier is with reference to grand coalition, which happens at the national level. And, and you're saying that this should not be predetermined. It should uh, somehow uh, be self-determining um, that different ethnic groups or per leaders from different constituencies make join hands together and and um, and form a coalition but what about um, veto power um, do you consider that also with respect to Afghanistan because veto power will also have a substantial potential create a substantial potential for outbidding where elites coming from different ethnic group may may veto um, the decisions from other, other, for example, communities or political parties. So how do you consider that? Uh, definitely, I think this is a very important aspect of this uh, model uh, veto uh, because um, if uh, ethnic minorities who feel uh, that their interest has been threatened by a majority party in the state, they can uh, veto that and this 
Well, the, the, the negative side of this is that it would lead to political deadlock. But again, it is a kind of democracy which uh, su support the, the minority rights. But also on the other hand, it's also uh, not from, uh, from the other side, it's also the, the veto right is uh, what I propose in my, in my model would be like the model I propose for Afghanistan, that the veto right should be also given to the, to the, to the president and, and, the, and, the, and the, in the uh, grand coalition um, uh, sitting uh, for the uh, local autonomy reason, because and it could be also that the, uh, one of the main critique on, on, on this democracy is also that maybe the if you gave local autonomy to, to uh, different groups, they might hijack that and use it for their per personal uh, interests and also threaten the central government that if our interests are not being uh, you know, accommodated, we might go for succession. So that is the time where you can also go for, for a veto right, which the president might have the, the veto of or the dismissal of, of that provincial political party or, or in the case of uh, constitutional democracy, which has different, different types. And what I propose is the, the, in the, at the sub-national level is a devolution of power. In devolution of power, you have different models. You can also elect the, 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 uh, the provincial governor. The provincial governor could be also elected by the provincial council members. And what I'm, what I'm uh, here uh, focusing is that maybe if, the, um, if, if any provincial council or provincial governor then use uh, their autonomy uh, against the central government politics, then the president might also have the veto right or the, 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 the vice presidents that they could, you know, um, uh, stop or, or dis dismiss the, the, the local government. And again, the, the local government all, all might also have the veto right to, to stop the central government from, from any decision that might go against their, their vital interests. So it's again, it's helping from both sides to, uh, to, to keep the national integration and, and long-term stability. Sure. And again, if I press you on the very the first element, which is grand coalition. So again, there are different models. Uh, the model, which, for example, in Bosnia is there, um, the seats and government are reserved for particular ethnic groups. But on the other hand, alternative models, um, oh, where uh, in Northern Ireland, for example, um, seats are not in government are not allocated for a particular ethnic group, but in the state somehow they automatically allocate to parties proportional to vote to vote that they sh they have in parliament. So. Uh, now, if I present you these two models between Northern Ireland and Bosnia, uh, precisely how do you craft the system in Afghanistan when it comes to the grand coalition and government? Well, I would not go for either of them. <laughs> what, okay. what, I, what I propose is that, that already experienced model that we have in the past 20 years, uh, which mm -hmm. was a kind of for 15 years in practice, which was a kind of grand ethno-political elite government at the center, uh, but the constitution didn't mention seats to any ethnic party. The ethnic party was not mentioned. So if the constitution, because in the previous uh, uh, system that we had, we had a president with two vice presidents. What I propose here is due to the four dominant uh, ethnic uh, groups that we have in Afghanistan, what I propose is that if we could have a, a president with three vice presidents, 
just these seats, but not mentioning the ethnic parties, any ethnic party should have the right to go for the election and 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 put uh, you know save the the presidential seat and and then divide it, and and then choose their other uh, ethnic um, uh, parties that may be going in, in a coalition with them to to uh, to to run the government. And that helps once again, because that's also helped to reduce from this critique in the case of Afghanistan that, well, any other model would divide Afghanistan farther and it will lead to succession. And in this case, if you would not specify uh, constitutionally uh, the ethnic groups, you still have, you know, you still uh, have the possibility to integrate them in a constitutional model, uh, the Afghan divided ethnic uh, uh, groups. But here again, the point is that in 2004 constitution, um, clearly it was stated that uh, it, parties cannot be constituted across ethnic lines. So the, there was a deliberative effort uh, uh, to, to avoid any form of political formations, including political parties around ethnic, exclusive ethnic lines. But here it seems that indirectly in your proposal, you consolidate such kind of ethnic boundaries and ethnic lines, but you or assume that there are parties which which ha, which represents different ethnic constituency. And if that is the assumption and that is formalized in the constitution, don't you think you clearly move the society towards a direction which even legally they will be allowed to form ethnic parties? Um, well, I think let's let's uh, come uh, come to the to the fact. I think one thing we have in the Afghan society that we all. Uh, in the, also, again, in the past 20 or 40 years that we always denied that Afghanistan is ethnically divided. I think we should accept the fact that, yes, the society, uh, not far and large, but the ethnopolitical elite are divided. And um, we should accept, first of all, this fact. Um, and um, now, again, back, coming back to the... Uh, and it's, I think, not a, not a very major problem all the societies are divided along different lines and in the case of afghanistan yes and if we recognize that problem we might go for a for plausible solution and well but once again in the case of afghanistan i'm not proposing that it should be mentioned in the constitution that uh, uh, that it, that political parties should uh, go along ethnic, ethnic lines. But what we have uh, de facto in Afghanistan that we, we already have these parties, these ethnic, ethnically um, divided um, parties or parties based on ethnic identities. Um, what I propose here is that if we, uh, if we uh, like we had not mentioned the previous constitution that a, a X and Epsilon um, ethnic group should have this and that seat, we should keep that principle also in a, in a, a constitutional democracy for Afghanistan, which would then help uh, integrate different political parties, ethnic political parties, to come together, to make alliances, to forge alliances, and to, to, to run for elections. Because you cannot convince people just simply by saying we are a unified country, but you should have create mechanism which bring different ethnic groups to work together for unified and stable uh, democracy. And that would be a solution. Uh, um, and if, if you leave it like the way we left it in the previous uh, regime was also not a, a valid solution because it also then create 
um, uh, decreases from the legitimacy of the, the, the system that you had. We, we never practiced a centralized unitary system in, in the past 20 years. We, the, the system, the model we had, it was only on theory, but in practice, we had completely um, some sort of um, uh, consociational democracy because the ethnic elite were in the past 20 years, President Karzai as a Pashtun, then the vice, first vice president, always a Tajik, the second vice president, Hazara or Uzbek, and a third seat was always created for the, for the Uzbek or, or Hazara minorities. So what I'm proposing here that why not we create a kind of model which we constitutionally recognize these four ethnic groups, but then leave them and not mentioning them that this seat should belong to that specific group because Afghanistan is a minority country and there is no uh, uh, survey or study that shows that on this uh, uh, ethnic party has the majority. And even if it has a majority, it will lead to a kind of national integration process if ethnic, ethnically, uh, um, political parties come uh, together and make a, a joint uh, political party, which then go for election and convince their constituencies, they might win election. Maybe a Hazara would be a president and the vice president would be a Pashtun or, 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 or a Tajik or Uzbek. So it depends. But again, in the case of Afghanistan, what, what we are lacking also for this system is that, uh, unfortunately, in the past 20 years, we also failed to make proper uh, political parties in the case of Afghanistan, the lack of um, uh, professional or uh, political parties which were based, which might be based based on based on modern political ideology and, and clear political platform for the people. Um, we didn't have such a thing. We All the political parties we had were defined based on core Islamic ideology, and they didn't have a clear um, uh, format for the people to say, okay, which political party should I go for? The only sure. thing we saw was okay, any, any, if you say, for example, the, the Hezbe Wahadat party, you would already know that it is in the Hazara party. If it, Hezbe Islami, it was a Pashtun dominant party. So I think if in all these contexts, if we see the Taliban managed to make a political party with a clear mandate and, and political strategy, which then it also, uh, and also for a future government model that they, uh, that they dreamed of, uh, that was the main political party in the past 20 years that, that also helped uh, uh, their constituencies to see, okay, if we choose Taliban, we might have an Islamic Sharia system. Whereas in other parties, it, it, nobody believed on that. If you go in and... and, and uh, in, in Afghan street and, and ask local Afghans, even though Afghans are the, one of the politicized uh, society in, in the world, you, they would not prefer themselves that I'm, I'm, a, I'm his B or I'm, I'm uh, Jamiati or I, I, they don't belong themselves to any of these parties because of several reasons. One, and uh, because they had a very bad image in the past uh, 40 years in, in the Afghanistan context, and nobody wants to belong to any uh, any such parties, even though in practice they might, when the elections come, they might go. Because of their ethnic uh, uh, identities, they might uh, support them. Uh, but in reality, uh, all of these parties failed uh, to accommodate Afghans and to convince them that they, are, uh, they, they have a future uh, for, for their country. 
Okay. So now if, if we move on to the choice of electoral systems, how do you see the choice of electoral system impacting the incentive of ethnic leaders, elites, or parties uh, when it comes to an, an, an constitutional democ uh, constitutional democracy? Um, so again, particularly here, there have been two different alternatives um, to to the choice of uh, electoral systems. Some scholars propose a party-less proportional representation um, where they can, can encourage formation of, an, of a strong, cohesive um, uh, political party. But in this choice, the party-less proportional representation, the party leader may have the ultimate say on how to um, support the uh, um, and the choices for the people. But alternatively, some, some other scholars who are coming from a deliberative constitutional democracy background, they propose single probable vote, STV, where the people have, of course, they will have to pick their choices from the party list, but they can also sort these. The party leaders may not sort it, but they will, they will, and the people who will. Um, who ultimately um, pick from different party lists uh, and according to their preferences. Um, so the liberative um, constitutional democrats may say the choice for a single transferable vote will prevent a scenario of ethnic outbidding uh, where people will not exclusively from one ethnic party from but from different party systems. So I want to take um, your take on this. Um, now, what do you think about the choice of uh, electoral systems? Well, again, I think it, it comes back to to uh, to the political party uh, creation. Like uh, again, to, to my previous uh, thing, which I mentioned that in the Afghanistan case, we lacked a, um, a strong political party system in Afghanistan, and that is again uh, deciding which political uh, which electoral system you want to use for the case of Afghanistan. Um, the SNTV that was used in the past uh, 20 years was uh, simply because Afghanistan was newly introduced to democracy. It was uh, 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 one of the simple uh, uh, electoral system where people could easily go and, and choose their um, uh, their uh, favorite candidate in, in national uh, election but also in subnational elections that was one of one of the major um, um, factor why this this was introduced but also again uh, it was intentionally dead because uh, um, again the Afghan elites, but also the international community, didn't want to support the already existed uh, political parties, which were again divided along the ethnic lines, and they had a bad image due to civil war. Um, and this really like demoralized political parties, the creation of political parties, because um, people would um, People, if, if if they would support any alternative to SNTV, then people would would have to go and go uh, behind political parties. And the plus point was again uh, in SNTV that it created new political faces in the context of Afghanistan. Uh, you know, it gave the chance for uh, individual independent uh, political leaders who wanted to uh, 
engage in Afghan politics that gave them the chance to come and play their role, um, which I see, I think this was a perfect model for the time, for that time. But of course, for, for any alternative model, for any uh, alternative uh, um, system in the future for Afghanistan, we definitely need to consider a different, a different um, electoral system. Um, and of course, a PR would be one, or a, uh, the, the uh, if a PT, P would be another one, the first post, the first, uh, the first, first post, the, the post. Um, so, but for the for the for the previous regime that we had, I think uh, the SNTV was uh, quite successful. I would say because it created, if you see, it gave the chance for um, woman participation and at the subnational level. Um, it gave also the chance for new elites that arise because of the, the system that they had the possibility to participate individually in the politics. So I would say, yes, for the future, if you want to create a competitive uh, uh, system uh, and uh, p- political party that which would compete with each other and, and also the mobilization of political parties, we definitely need uh, alternative model. And in the case of constitutional democracy, in case that is applic- applicable for the, uh, for the case of Afghanistan, PR um, proportional uh, uh, representation would be also one of them. <clears throat> okay, so my last question, if I can ask you, is about your earlier remark. You referred to Afghanistan of 2001 to 2021 before the Taliban as a democracy. Um, and I want to press you on this point that do you think that Afghanistan was really a democratic system merely because it was holding elections, but, but by all other measures? Afghanistan did not satisfy uh, even minimalist standards of, of, of democracy. Um, uh, the fact that Af- elections were continuously rich, um, it was not free and fair, um, but also and so many other indicators that, um, that the democracy may require, um, and that includes uh, a kind of equal participation across civil, uh, civil um, public sphere, uh, existence of an independent, very autonomous civil society, free media, a strong judiciary. These did not exist in Afghanistan. So um, do you still propose that Afghanistan had a, had a democracy? Um, well, I totally agree with you. Let's put it this way. I think Afghanistan had a, a very bad democracy, uh, but it had a democracy. If you see, if you see the... Uh, Prior to, to uh, 2001, we had a authoritarian regime, and uh, post 2001, Afghanistan, for the first time in its history, um, experienced um, a completely different model, which was a constitution-based democracy. Of course, in theory, but in practice, there were multiple factors that led to the failure of this democracy, and we know that is at a different um, level. Um, those who created and supported or built that democracy were the international community. There was no clear intention. Um, the case of Afghanistan always came in the second, and uh, but also at the regional level, none of our regional uh, neighbors, unfortunately, supported the Afghan democracy. But again, at the at the national level, we also see that uh, warlordism, um, corruption. Um, the ethno-political elite divide or discourse also uh, led the international community 
that they they were fed up with with the Afghans uh, and and the way the democracy was uh, you know implemented. Um, so it is, I think, from both sides these fact factors played a great uh, role in in um, defaming the Afghan democracy and decreasing from its legitimacy. If we see in two thousand four, we had nearly twelve million uh, turnout in in in, in the uh, elections. But that decreases along the way because you see corruption, widespread corruption, and uh, you see the democracy is not functioning. And in 2009, 2019, it decreases to 1.9 million participation or turnout of the, the people in the election. Um, yes, I would say it would be also unfair to label the very first and young experience of Afghan democracy as a, a completely failure. It did create a, a vibrant civil society. It created for the first time in Afghan history, broad politics to the sub-national level. For example, at the, at the sub-national level, we, for the first time in Afghanistan history, we had provincial councils where people participated, um, where an inclusive um, uh, uh, do very weak, but for the first time in Afghan history, women had the chance to participate uh, at the sub-national level uh, in this uh, political institution as um, provincial councils. And they also challenged the central government in many cases. Uh, uh, and that was also the fear why the, the Afghan uh, leaders and the politicians uh, repeatedly uh, uh, centralize the Afghan state institutions because they were afraid that if we gave more power, we, our authority and our power would be challenged. Uh, so this was an experience for, for the Afghans. And if, if we have any poss possibility in the future, we are already experienced with, with, with the notion of democracy, uh, with this model. And I think um, that will help us uh, then start from, from there, not from zero. Uh, as we started in, in 2001. Sure. Um, and I think this interview will remain incomplete if I do not ask you the question about uh, post-Taliban scenario. Um, we talked about democracy, constitutionalism, but but at it, 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 this current context that Taliban are ruling Afghanistan with a very brutal um, um, peace, um, I think it is quite important to also talk about how can how shall we envision a post-Taliban scenario uh, or a transformation? Uh, would love to have your take on that. Um, what do you think? What are the possible or even um, necessary steps that we should take in order to transform the country from the current context? Um, as I said, I think one of the the main achievement that we have in the past twenty years that. Um, the majority Afghan population will introduce to to kind of um, consensus based uh, state system, even if it was not functional, but it created a kind of um, vibrant society, and especially the young younger generation. Um, so, and if if we ever manage to either convince the the, the Taliban, which is seem at this stage very difficult, but also if it ever happened that the Taliban uh, go away um, by any means, um, 
I think Afghanistan would uh, this time hopefully experiencing that not taking the, the, the window of opportunity that they had in 2001. If we, if we have any such window of opportunity in the future, they might take it seriously because they would know what they have lost um, by, uh, you know, by, by losing the Afghan democracy and, and having a very strong authoritarian regime. Um, so I would say Taliban are the moment in the ivory of winning the Afghan war, which is a huge mistake. And this mistake has been done um, by the Afghan uh, political elite in 2001, which they were thinking, okay, we have won the Afghan war and there is no space for any other um, uh, group in the country. This, I think, a, a huge mistake that the Taliban are doing and, and they know that they cannot um, govern Afghanistan the way they are governing now. Uh, so um, I would say sure. that um, it will be better for them to realize that um, that it's time to, to think for a long-term solution and not hijack the Afghan population based on, on their uh, I think we ideology. have to leave it on that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for appearing on Negotiating Ideas podcast. And it was a pleasure to record this episode with you. Uh, I hope our listeners also enjoyed listening to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Omar, for having me.